0: Arden, was it you or I? I forgot to tell the little boy that uh, it was the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized? <clears throat> I hope you don't take that too serious. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. We have a hope concerning the future as we live in the present. Grateful that you've called us to live by faith. And we have a shepherd who leads us and cares for us. A shepherd who cares for our souls. As we look at your word and some implications and applications of it, this morning, we want to live well, where you have placed us, in our homes, in our neighborhood, in our jobs, in schools, and so on. And as we live well, we want to be prepared to give an answer, to explain why we live the way we do. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. First Peter, First Peter chapter 2. First Peter, whether it be chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5, It's to be lived by Peter's hearers as well as us today in the 21st century. Living it today may look somewhat different than in the time in which Peter wrote due to our culture, political system, and society being different. But yet, we want to look at the passage and think about the culture in which we live as we seek Christ as our shepherd To live well. This morning, as we look at some applications, I want to share some of the mindset or the thinking of the culture today and then a godly response to it in light of God's Word. I'll be sharing some put off and some put on, which is emphasized over and over again in Scripture. In many passages, the put off and put on is emphasized Romans 6, Romans 12, Galatians 5, Ephesians 4. And I could list a number of other passages. So our applications will be springing from 1 Peter 2, 13, through the end of the chapter, but not limited to those those verses. But let's read the passage together. 1 Peter 2, beginning, beginning with verse 13. Submit yourselves unto the, for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to the governor's, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God under the King. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh, for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God to this you recalled, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurried, hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In the context of this passage, Peter is speaking to people in a particular cultural setting. We live in somewhat of a different cultural setting, but yet, some of the same, you want to say, struggles are faced. and in our cultural setting, and it's not limited to our culture, the idea of submission many times is considered terrible. It's a sign of weakness. That comes through quite often. That may be in the home. That may be in a work setting. That may be in a national setting. But yet, as we think about Scripture, the flow of 1 Peter, along with related passages, submission is Christ-like. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus is in the garden praying, "Father, oh, it would be possible remove this cup from me, but yet not my will, but yours be done. In Hebrews 5, the writer of Hebrews speaks about the fact that Christ learned obedience through the things he suffered. Submission is essential for living daily in the home in the church in our country. Submission is implied over and over again in First Peter. Look at first Peter one and verse thirteen. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self controlled. Set your hope fully in the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter's hearers, believers today, submitting, yes, we will obey. Chapter 2 and verse 1, therefore rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. God speaks, we respond. Again, submission. Verse 13 of chapter 2, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority. Verse 18, slaves, submit yourself to your masters. In chapter 5, he talks about the younger submitting to the older. I want you to think about the reality. One cannot come to Christ without submission. Submitting to the fact that one is sinful. Submitting to the fact that there is a substitute. Humility, I can't, is at the root of submission. I need help, I need guidance, I need to surrender. Submission is essential for any society to function well. Nothing on PowerPoint. Sorry about that. I wasn't even paying attention. I look at my screen here. <clears throat> submission is essential for any society to function well. I find it interesting, and I'm using driving as an example, having been to some other cultures, what happens when there's not a submission to some type of driving laws? It can be very, very interesting shall i say think about the family involves submission think about the country involving submission submission gives freedom we live in the area for which we were created a citizen is free as they live as a citizen not trying to be a leader a husband is free as he submits to the Lord and loves his wife as Christ loved the church and not tries to get her to leave. Submission brings freedom. The Peter people to whom Peter is writing, as they submitted to the civil government, a slave submitted. He mentioned wives. He mentions husbands. That brings freedom. In our government, in our form of government, We can be submissive, but yet at the same time, work for change, because our government allows that. You go back to other governments in history, many times that was not allowed, but in our government it is, and I think that is, you can be submissive, but yet pursue change, but recognizing submission in and of itself is not terrible. We live in a culture that emphasizes we have rights. We are responsible for a godly, holy, humble response to what the Lord has allowed us to come into in our life. What the Lord has allowed to come into our lives and our position. I'm not debating the issue of rights, but we're responsible In chapter 2 and verse 13, he's writing to the citizens, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. He's not discussing rights or no rights. In chapter 2 and verse 18, Slaves submit yourself to your masters with all respect. That would be their responsibility. In chapter 3 and verse 1, Wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands. In verse 7, husbands in the same way be considered as you live with your wives, and that's tied in with submission as you read the flow of the context. Chapter 3 and verse 8. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, live as brothers, be compassionate and humble. You know, be obedient. Take responsibility for how you care for others. Chapter 5 and verse 2, he says "The shepherds, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Over and over again, the focus is on responsibility. There may be some rights, but the focus is on responsibility. Our culture will emphasize rights. Demanding rights, and I say demanding, demanding rights and submission almost seem opposites. I emphasize Demanding. We in our country are given some rights. But demanding rights and being submission seem to go in opposite directions. God emphasizes, in Peter as well as elsewhere, responsibility in the image of God, not rights. I'm not saying there isn't rights. I'm just saying the focus is on responsibility. Living out the image of God. And even in the context of unjust suffering, he appeals to the example of Christ, as we discussed last week. Not looking for an answer. That should be our rights in our Constitution, or is it in Scripture, or both? Think about that. Our rights in our Constitution, are they in Scripture, or both? That's just one to think about. I'm not going to try to answer that this morning. Rights, not correctly applied, lift up the individual and diminish God. Peter exhorts over and over again how to live in submission to God. And in our country, enjoy the rights we have in our country, but don't let them own you. Another thought process in our country, it's not limited to our country, but suffering for any reason, especially unjust suffering is terrible, escape quickly. Putting on in its place, suffering is the norm in a fallen world. Driving us to look to God, Christ, and the body of Christ. Suffering is part of living in this world. Whether it be unjust suffering or whether it be other types of suffering, it comes. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, after he gets through Chapter 2 and says some things about suffering, and in chapter 3, but in chapter 4, he says in verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised at the suffering you're going through, and he's talking about suffering because of their faith in Christ, some of it just, some of it unjust. Peter says, don't be surprised. Verse 13, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. Again, he's talking about suffering just for living out their faith. He mentioned suffering in chapter 2 as far as a slave who may experience unjust suffering. But recognize that suffering in a fallen world drives us to look to God, to Christ, to the body of Christ. I need other resources than myself. Is calling suffering terrible, calling good evil? You say, are you mentioning that suffering is good? God works it for good. It's part of living in a fallen world, but just think about it. And I'm not out to answer that. Suffering pain is essential in our fallen world. What would happen without pain? What would happen without pain? My wife would have died years ago. Physical pain, I'm talking now, would have died years ago. Because she wouldn't have went to the doctor and eventually would have led to death with some internal bleeding. I would have been gone probably 35 years ago as my skull tumor was growing and going to penetrate my brain. But think about pain in the context of relationships. Peter writes to people and they're going through difficulty. They're going through... Difficulty with a neighbor because a neighbor may be accusing them of living incorrectly. Because they're not following the norm. Because a wife was not following the God of her husband because she came to faith in Christ. And she's given a hard time. Or a husband is being harassed by a friend because he is no longer so domineering with his family but is living with his wife as a weaker partner and an heir of the gracious gift of life. And what would that drive them to? To God, to Christ, to other believers, to live in dependency upon them. Suffering is needed. Do pause to consider the deep Negative impact on our lives and our offspring when we seek to escape suffering. We miss perseverance, character, and hope. When we run from the difficulty in life that life brings. Whether it be living by faith or otherwise, and we try to escape it, and we have a mindset of, I got to escape. We miss perseverance, character, and hope. And that which God wants to build into those in our world of influence. Who is behind the belief that suffering is terrible? I would say, I think we can at least partially say the enemy. And I recognize that the curse came and it brought suffering into our world, but God is using that in the lives of His children to build perseverance, character, and hope. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 10, Peter says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Another possible application in light of First Peter. Maybe my language is a little too strong here. Only on why stupid people remain in a tough situation a painful situation, unless they have no choice. Only unwise, stupid people remain in a tough situation, a painful situation, unless they have no choice. If you can change your situation, if it's tough or it's painful, and you have a choice, change it. Peter... Exhort citizens how to respond, slaves, wives, husbands. In chapter four and verse two or one, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. And I'm not talking about a mindset that glories in sufferings, and you know, oh I just welcome it. But difficulty has value. Do we realize that if we have the mindset that only unwise, stupid people remain in a tough, painful situation, that we're calling Christ unwise and stupid? Christ chose to lay aside... the independent use of his deity, and to come to this earth willfully suffering, willfully going to the cross. And Hebrews 5 talks about the fact that he learned obedience through suffering. There may be tough situations But do we always need to escape? We tend to think, if we don't, there's something wrong. Do we realize as we choose a godly, humble attitude, trials build endurance and character? Tough situations drive us to be dependent upon the Lord. I've known an individual for some 43-plus years now, an individual within our community. And in the 43-plus years that I've known the individual, it has been one trial, difficulty, suffering after another. And every time the individual talks to me about one of the difficulties that they're going through, I ask myself, Lord, another? And the individual, numerous times over the years when they've talked to me and have called me or I talk to them in person, they'll say, Pastor, again? And the individual continues to remain in some difficult situations Yet that individual is one who has developed a depth of hope, a depth of character, a depth of perseverance, a depth of being able to reach out and minister to others who are going through tough situations because of how God has worked in their life. Peter is writing to people who are going through some tough situations. Some they may be able to change, others they may not be able to change. But he would desire for them to depend upon the body, to depend upon the Lord, to depend upon Christ. Look at one more as we think about our culture and the context of 1 Peter. Lack of justice must be handled quickly. Take action that you must. You know, we, we desire justice, and I think that's part of being created in God's image. But the idea of it must be handled quickly, we need to process that and respond to that. Ultimate justice is the Lord's, with some being by, handled by civil government. In chapter 2, in verses 22 through 25, we find, particularly in verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. This is Christ. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. God, in this time, judging Christ, recognizing that. In chapter 4, in the context of trials and suffering, verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what would the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Leaving judgment to God. Desiring it? But letting God handle it. If there's something we can do fine, but many times we can't. Consider the speed at which the Lord provides justice. For most of us, it's pretty slow. I've had some issues with God over the years. I'll admit that. God, why no justice? I could go back to my Chattanooga days and say, God, why no justice? At different times along the way, we have to leave God take care of justice, even when it seems slow. Lack of justice, at least at points in time, can drive us to the Lord, to a humble dependency upon Him. Demanding, and I emphasize the word demanding, quick justice generally results in moving from the Lord's justice. Now we end up taking justice in our own hands and regretting it later on. Commit yourself to our faithful Creator and continue to do good. What did Jesus do? He entrusted himself to his Father who judges justly. In verse 25, then he goes on to say in chapter 2, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In the midst of injustice, in the midst of going through difficulty because of injustice, for the believer, Christ is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. If you must act for justice, and if, and if it's possible, and in our culture that is allowed for, do so. But don't be consumed by demanding. Living well in our culture today in humble dependency upon Christ and His body in the routine of daily living. A well-lived life in the daily routine is what the Lord has called us to live. A well-lived life in the daily routine is what God has called us to live. Daniel is retired and has been tired for a period of time. Living well in that calling. Tina goes to work and has a shift in her work, you know, a little while back, a little different job. Living well in that calling. Ryan has been permitted to go through some physical suffering over the years. Living well in that calling. Zach and Jolene going to have a baby here. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Living well in that calling, <clears throat> excuse me, as parents of a newborn baby. It's in time, can drive us to the Lord, to a humble dependency upon Him. Demanding, and I emphasize the word demanding, quick justice generally results in moving from the Lord's justice No, we end up taking justice in our own hands and regretting it later on. Commit yourself to our faithful creator and continue to do good. What did Jesus do? He entrusted himself to his father who judges justly. In verse 25, then he goes on to say in chapter 2, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In the midst of injustice, in the midst of going through difficulty because of injustice, for the believer, Christ is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. If you must act for justice, and and if it's possible... And in our culture, that is allowed for. Do so, but don't be consumed by demanding. Living well in our culture today in humble. Dependency upon Christ and His body in the routine of daily living. A well-lived life in the daily routine is what the Lord has called us to live. A well-lived life in the daily routine is what God has called us to live. So Daniel is retired and has been tired for a period of time. Living well in that calling. <laughs> Tina goes to work and has a shift in her work, you know, a little while back and a little different job. Living well in that calling. Ryan has been permitted to go through some physical suffering over the years. Living well in that calling. Zach and Jolene going to have a baby here maybe today maybe tomorrow living well in that calling <clears throat> excuse me as parents of a newborn baby Janie and Justin going to get married in a few weeks living that well in that calling as a husband and wife Peter is writing to people who live routine lives as slaves as owners as husbands as wives As citizens, and he's calling them, live well. Be content where God has placed you and live well. We're called to suffer, we're called to follow his example, called to suffer for our faith, to suffer hardships and injustice. And to do it with grace. Yet so often we question. Lord why does this have to be. As we go through trials and suffering. Or lose those we love to eternity. To develop endurance and character. And in him to gain a deeper trust. Follow his example. God says we must. For the trials in our lives or the testimonies others see. God's love and grace is there for them as it is for you and me. A poem Jane Killian gave me last Sunday. She said in light of First Peter, live well. Let's pray together. Father, may we think well, may we believe well, May we speak well. May we act well in our daily lives where you have placed us in life for your glory. As we think about 1 Peter, we know that you're a God of Grace you caught us to your eternal glory in Christ. And in the meantime, that may involve some suffering. Sometimes it is unjust. Sometimes it's part of living well for you and just obeying you. Other times it's just because we live in a fallen world. But we know that <clears throat> you will make us strong and firm and steadfast because your power is at work within us. May we experience your grace and your peace as we live this week. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.